test all things. That's why we do what we do here. That's why we value the life of the mind so much. That's why we teach people how to think well. Because you need to be able to test all things. That means you have need to have knowledge and wisdom and spiritual discernment. We try to build those things up at this church so you can test all things. So you can abstain from every form of evil. The things that are evil, listen, just run. Don't mess with it. Don't get close to it. How far can I go close to it? Look, you've got the wrong attitude. How far can you get away from it? That's the question you should be asking yourself. Well, how much of this can I do before it's... No, no, no. How can I get as far away from that thing as I can possibly be so I can be as close to the Lord as I can possibly be? As we wrap up this first part of Thessalonians, we're starting in chapter 5, verse 14, and we're going to learn some really important things for anyone in the body of Christ. Please get out your Bible, and here's Pastor David. You're in a place to warn those. You're in a place to warn those who are in trouble, warn those who are walking towards sin, to warn the unruly. But we're so afraid to do it. Well, I shouldn't say that. They'll get mad at me. They might. And we, want, we don't want to do that with each other because we don't want to get in each other's mix. We don't want to get in each other's lives. Let me tell you something. You're in each other's lives. You're the body of Christ. You're brothers and sisters. You're in each other's lives. Don't pull any punches. We're not going to move forward by being so nice that we never call each other to account, that we never warn each other. And some of you are going, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on. I've had issues with this before. And you're wondering, how do I know if it's not a good idea for me to do that? Let me tell you, this is really easy. If you're thinking about admonishing or warning your brother or sister, let me tell you how you know you should not do it if you want to. If it seems like it would be fun. If you're doing it with anything other than pain, sadness, then you're not, you shouldn't be the one doing it. If somebody is doing something wrong and you're like, ooh, I can't wait to get in there, do some admonishing, I'm going to admonish that. You're not the one. You got issues to work on, okay? Like, woohoo, we got problems. If you love confrontation, we need to counsel, okay? It's not good for you. It should be at a heart of, of brokenness for them. You should desire to see their best. You should desire to keep it quiet between you and them. You should, you should be in pain at some level for this person. You should be treating them like you would want to be treated. How do you want to be treated? You don't want to have nobody ever admonish you. Trust me. What you want is that people would admonish you in love gently and help you. That's what you want. Nobody wants to just keep going mm, down the drain. We need each other. This is what you've been called to do. You've been called to admonish and warn one another. To comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Comfort the faint-hearted. Look, there are people suffering from all kinds of stuff in your body. Sherry lost her husband a couple months ago. Others have lost people in their family recently. There's sickness. There's financial trouble. There's people whose kids are going off the rails. There's all kinds of stuff. Family member problems. Difficulties. Comfort them. It's that simple. It's not a complicated one. Comfort the faint-hearted. Find out who they are and walk alongside them, encourage them, and show them that Jesus loves them and he loves them through you. Comfort the faint-hearted. Uphold the weak. Listen, who are the weak? This is easy. 
Ask God to show you. You got a whole group of people here. Some people are weak. They're, they're struggling. They're going through things. They're weak. They need strength. They need to be built up. They need to be discipled. How do you know who they are? Ask God. Who's, who are the weak? Who needs me? And then go do what he's called you to do. And if you can't find anybody that's weak, it's probably you. And you need to call God and say, God, I think I'm weak. I need people to come and disciple me. You should always be in a discipling relationship on both sides. Those that you are discipling, those that are discipling you. This is the pattern of the Christ follower, the multiplication pattern of the Christ follower. Uphold the weak. Be patient with all. This one's hard for me. Sometimes. Sometimes. The other day, I was cleaning up the house. Cleaning up after my kids, right? I occasionally clean up after my kids, and when I do so, I like to do it very loudly and dramatically so they know what a great dad I am. <laughs> so I come in, I'm like, this thing, I'm going to grab that and take it over. There. And, you know, I'm taking this thing. And Ethan comes downstairs while I'm cleaning up this stuff. <laughs> and he asks me some question. I'm like, I don't know, Ethan. I'm too busy cleaning up your cups off this table. <laughs> you know, walking over. He's like, I don't, uh, I don't think those are my cups. I'm like, well, whose cups are they? Righteous indignation is just like you can smell it. It's coming out of me. You know, I'm just like, I can't believe I have to clean up after these children. They ain't got no job. <laughs> Playing video games all day, and here I am cleaning their crap up. Sorry for saying crap, Mom. <laughs> this has really changed the dynamic for me around here. Um, <laughs> so I'm just... <laughs> clean up after you. And he's like, I don't think that's mine. And, and I'm like, who is it? And it just took me just a second. And I realized, oh, that was mine. <laughs> I left that jar with half full of milk there like last night and forgot to put it away. And I realized that. And I was just like, oh, I felt like such, I didn't feel like I was a fool. I made a fool of myself. I was cleaning up after me. And being dramatic about it. I can't believe that I left this. I'm such a... Had anyone else done that about my cup, I would have like, really hurt my feelings. I would have been really upset about it. Here I am doing it to my own children. I probably should not be a pastor. I, it's too late. I'll, I'll work on it. Patience, right? Somebody cuts you off on the freeway. There's the patient. There's the your number one response. You know, let them know. That's not patience. Some of you are like, well, what do you mean number one? I, I, I'm glad you don't know. God bless you. That's really part of the next one. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. These Thessalonians, they were being persecuted, right? Bad stuff is happening to them. But really bad stuff. Like People are being killed, they're being messed up, whatever. And of course, there's going to be some desire, like, let's go get back at these people that are persecuting us. But not just that. They were also just getting cut off their donkey on the road or whatever. They're just the regular kind of offenses that happen, right? Somebody upsets them. And it's like, do not pay back evil for evil. We're like, I'm not taking no crud from anybody. That's our thing, right? We're not gonna take it. Not gonna take it. That's how they were back then too. See, you would lose your status. You let somebody do something to you and you didn't get back at them, you lost your status as a Roman. Sort of like today. You better not let them get away with that. But God turns the world upside down. He's not like that. He's like, no, no, no. 
You don't repay evil for evil. You let me take care of it. If you trust me, you know I'll take care of it. You don't get to take care of it. I want you to love your enemies. Like, what? They're my enemies. I I don't think that word means what you think it means. They're my enemies. I ain't going to love them. It's like, no, you're going to love them. I'm commanding you to love them, to forgive them, to treat them well, to pray for them. And here we have it. Don't repay evil for evil. Now, did God follow it himself? Yeah. Guess who was evil and his enemy? You. Me. Did he show us love? Yeah. He came to earth, became a man, died, was crucified for us. And while it was happening, he was praying that they would be forgiven. Not that fire would come rain down on their heads. That was for you. That's for me. He's shown us what it looks like. How dare we? think that we get to create enemies for ourselves and not love them when he's shown us what it looks like. Do not repay evil for evil, but always pursue, chase after the good. Chase after it. Run it down. What's good? That's what we want. That's what we want. All right. I'm going to try to rip through the rest of these so we can get through this. It says... Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I could probably do this on every one of those, but we're just going to go pretty quickly through here. Rejoice always, and, and everything give thanks. I think that hits us kind of like, if you're going through something, you've lost somebody, you're sick, whatever, your kid is in prison, you're, you know, whatever's going on in your life. And you're like, rejoice always, give thanks in everything. What the, what is your problem? How could you think that I can rejoice always and pray without ceasing when I'm going through this? First of all, I'm not the one who said it. God did. I didn't command it to you. God did. So think about that for a second. He wouldn't have commanded unless you could do it. Does this mean you can never be sad? No. Obviously, you're going to be sad sometimes. When bad things happen, you should not be like, hey. That's, you're on drugs if that's going on. You're going to be sad sometimes. That's why Romans, I think, 12, 15 says that we weep with those who weep. The assumption is that some people weep. The issue is not that you never cry. The issue is that you have enough hope and joy in your heart to believe that God will eventually wipe away all tears. That God will make all things new. That's where joy comes from. It's so much deeper than a surfacey happiness, the kind of thing we feel that we go outside and there's sun on our face and we're like, man, what a nice day. That's great feeling, but that's not joy. Joy is deep and abiding. It's a thing that says, I trust and believe God and my hope is secure in him. It's not the thing that says I never have grief. You're gonna have grief. Persecution, suffering. We live in a fallen world that hasn't changed because you became a Christ follower. It's just going to be made new. You just have to believe that all things are going to work together for good. That's why we give thanks. That's why we pray. It says pray without ceasing. Look, to me, I've always thought about this one. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean that you're on your knees all day in intense prayer. I think, I think in a lot of ways, this is two things. One is be constantly in communication with the Lord. Just be, you know, you're driving along and, and God's with you. You're, you're experiencing life together with him. You're talking with him. When you're driving, probably not vocally out loud if there's a lot of people watching you. And there's no one else in the car because people think that's weird. Um, I don't know. But if you're like, hey, Lord, somebody's looking next to you and they're like, there's nobody in that car. They might think you're weird. Some of you look weird anyway, so you're probably okay. (laughs) 
Just be in communication with them all the time. But the other thing is this, never stop seeking, asking, and knocking. You want it, you believe it's God's will that your child would come back to relationship with him. You think it's God's will that you would grow in this area, never stop asking, begging, seeking, knocking, never stop. Pray without ceasing. He's listening. He wants you to come to him and ask for things. Pray without ceasing. All right. I'm not going to deal with the, um, the quench, the spirit, and despise prophecies. If you have not been through orientation, you can go through that. We talk a little bit about prophecy in there, but I want to probably handle that when I have more time for it. It also says that Thanking God, praying without ceasing, and rejoicing is God's will for you. Some people are like, I don't know what God's will is for me. I don't know what his will is. Well, I can tell you, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks. That's his will. Every day, all day long. Don't come to me and say, what's God's will for my next move, for my job? Should I get married to this guy? Should I uh, you know, have kids? Should I do whatever? If you're not doing these things first, because I, I can tell you these are God's will. This is his will. All right. It says, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. I'm going to do this quickly. Test all things. That's why we do what we do here. That's why we value the life of the mind so much. That's why we teach people how to think well. Because you need to be able to test all things. That means you have need to have knowledge and wisdom and spiritual discernment. We try to build those things up at this church so you can test all things. So you can abstain from every form of evil. The things that are evil, listen, just run. Don't mess with it. Don't get close to it. How far can I go close to it? Look, you've got the wrong attitude. How far can you get away from it? That's the question you should be asking yourself. Well, how much of this can I do before it's... No, no, no. How can I get as far away from that thing as I can possibly be so I can be as close to the Lord as I can possibly be? That's the question you'd ask for yourself. And then hold fast to what is good. Listen, the things that are good, the things that are true, listen. Hold on to them. Do not give up ground. Always have an attitude of love, but culture is trying to pull away from you so many things that are good to replace them with things that are evil. And it is your job to stand upon the rock, the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and say, I am not moving about these things. I am not moving about the fact that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. If I move on that, I lie. I'm not moving on what God wants for us, for our lives, what he wants us to do with our money, what he wants us to do with our sex lives, how he wants us to parent, how he wants us to be husbands and wives. I'm not moving from these things. Just because culture's like, well, no, you need to be this way, you need to be that way, you're not tolerant enough. You've got to say, I stand here, I can do no other, like Martin Luther did. I'm not going anywhere. Hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to what is good. All right. Whew. We got to wrap this thing up. All right. Now, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may our whole spirit, soul, and body, body, soul, spirit, we talked about that a lot, be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also will do it. God is sanctifying you. You know what that means? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. It's kind of a weird word. What it means is he's making you perfect, making you completely holy and clean. That's the work that he's doing in you. And he is going to do it. He's faithful. He's going to do it. Body, soul, and spirit. You'll be made perfect. That's pretty amazing. That's what's happening right now, every day, every moment. As you draw close to Christ, he's doing that for you. This is an amazing thing that Paul is reminding them of, that the Holy Spirit through Paul is reminding them of, hey, this is what's going on here. Pray for us, they say. And you should. You should be praying for each other. You should be praying for those who are laboring 
for you. You should be laboring for others and you should be praying. Next one, greet all the brethren, brothers and sisters, with a holy kiss. Don't get excited, fellas. Like, oh, come here, sister. No. As a matter of fact, at one point in church history, they had to, apparently had to make this so that it was only same-sex kissing. You know, it was on the cheek or whatever. Guys to guys, girls to girls. Because people were getting frisky with the holy kiss. They're like, hey, Paul said it. Come here, let's get a holy kiss going. Well, that's an awfully holy kiss. Holy cow. Right? <laughs> this is about what we talked about last week. This is about Philadelphia. Culturally, they would have expressed the kind of brotherly, sisterly, affectionate friendship with a kiss on the cheek or on the forehead. It would have been the way, they, would, they were much more physical with each other than we are, right? When guys meet each other, it's very rare that you get together for the guys to go play some basketball or whatever, and before we start, we're all like, come here. <laughs> we don't do that, right? This is not normal. Some guys do, actually. It's still culturally the way some people do it. In fact, in the Middle East, it's still much more common. People will walk around holding hands and stuff. It has nothing, it's not sexual at all. Just the way that we, we just don't understand it as much. But that's what he's talking about. Philadelphia, okay? Last thing, I charge you by the Lord. Again, this is leadership language. I charge you by the Lord. He's telling them what to do. Some people don't like that, but that's what he's doing. Let this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. All right, I'm going to finish up here and we're going to pray. Listen, this is a letter of love. That's what it is. It's a love letter from a brother, sister, parent, whatever, to the beloved. That's what this is. I love you like Paul loves these people, like the Holy Spirit through Paul is loving these people. The elders of this church love you. The deacons of this church love you. So many of you who lead ministries and so on, you love each other. You do this because you love these people. We love you. I desire you to see you grow and know Christ more fully. I desire for you to have peace and joy and rejoicing like we're talking about here. Ultimately, it's as simple as this. I want you to have every bit of the relationship with Jesus Christ that I have and more. I want more and more for you. That means sometimes we're going to admonish you. That seems to mean sometimes we're going to encourage you. Sometimes we're just going to stand beside you and not say anything because you just need me there. I'm going to, I'm going to love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be there for you. But it's all because I love you. Now, sometimes I think people think that because I am loud... And because I preach the, the word somewhat prophetically, that that means that I'm kind of harsh or that I have an expectation that people should be perfect or that you shouldn't come here unless you already meet some standard. That's not true. I'm just preaching the word to myself as well as to you. We need to grow. I want that for you. God loves you. If you're, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, understand that this is the kind of love that he has for you that you're his enemy, no question about that, that you've rebelled against him, that you really have sinned, and yes, it really is a big deal, and yes, you really are separated from God, but that that can change today. That Jesus Christ has died for you and paid, has atoned for, has paid for your sins, and that you can be with him forever. You can have this life that we're talking about, this life of believers, this life of the body of Christ. If that's you and you don't know him, today's your day. So do you need that new life that Pastor David has been talking about? If so, today is the day, and you can have new life right now. 
no matter where you are or what you're doing, simply tell Jesus that you believe he's the Son of God, ask him to forgive your sins and be the Lord of your life, and he will. And if you need more help or just have questions, call us at 360-885-9000 or email info at axchurchnw.org. We'd also love to meet you, so come see us. Get all the info you need at axchurchnw.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time for another great Bible lesson with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.